We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. Welcome back to another edition of Coronations of Bangarangs and Daggers. My name is Patrick Gearhart, and with me is not named McHugh, but we have another guest host who's not really a guest host anymore. He's, he's more or less our third host, uh, Kevin Knight. Kevin, how are we, sir? I'm doing well. It's uh, cold here in D.C., but I imagine it's colder back out in the Great Plains, so I'm not going to complain about yeah, that. Yeah, what... How uh how was it today out there? What was the ten- what was the weather like? Uh, started off around fifty, and it is currently thirty three. I believe there's um winds of forty miles an hour overnight though. So yeah, we started we started out this morning. I think it was negative three when I woke up around six. I think maybe a little bit colder. Got to work. It was about negative two, and I think it might have hit twenty today. Other than that, clear skies. It was pretty out. <laughs> yeah, no, a little bit colder. Uh, we're working our way through our first major dusting of the year. Nothing too bad happened two days ago. But, yeah, no, a little bit, little bit colder, a little bit chillier. But I think we're supposed to have a little bit of reprieve here in the next few days. Uh, yeah, that's on the... Is, it, yeah, is weather looking... How is so You're originally from Michigan. How is it up there? Um, It is... Uh, cold and snowy, actually. <laughs> uh, so where I'm from is kind of the snow belt. Um, nearby on the Leelanau Peninsula, on the lower peninsula. Um, so the peninsula on the peninsula got over 30 inches. And where I'm from, the ski resort there opens on Saturday for its first day. If that tells you anything about how much snow they've been able to both make and have fall. <laughs> so do you, guys, uh, do you guys get a lot of uh, lake effect snow? Yeah, yeah. Um, we get a lot of uh, water gets sucked up out of Lake Michigan and get dumped on us. Uh, usually an overnight dusting of an inch to three inches was kind of the norm most of the winter each night. Oh, wow. That's not bad at all. That's actually kind of nice if you're used to it. I'm a winter yeah, person, exactly. so, yeah, I like, so that, that, that sounds attractive to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no ice storms. You know, I mean, we'd get big snowstorms every once in a while but it would also be pretty average to just get a couple inches um you know overnight or during the day or something randomly so it was nice actually especially when i didn't have to shovel uh, where we lived in high school so that was that was the best part <laughs> your uh, your family didn't pick up a snowblower till later on i take it uh no if ever we, um we we lived in a, a ski condo actually for high school it, it's a weird Story. I'll I'll save that for another time though. But nice. yeah, so we we had a condo association fees for that. <laughs> oh well, then the, your chores just kind of went out the window. <laughs> I mean, I still had to scrape my car off. You know, there's no nice garage tough. or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't nearly get that type of snow in DC anymore. No, winter here is a joke. So two inches in the city shuts down, right? A thread of two inches and it shuts down. Um, there's been, I mean, th- there's been maybe three storms that I've been here for, and we get dumped with like 10 to 12 inches and we're shut down for like two days straight. But 
at the same time, it, it makes sense because it's a pretty congested city. There's not a lot of wide streets and there's nowhere to push the snow. And there's no reason to invest in the equipment. So I, I get why it shuts down, but it's it's still something I got to make fun of. <laughs> and the city, of course, of course. And the city, what snow it gets doesn't last very long, right? Um, yeah, for the most part, it's gone within maybe a week or so tops when it's some of the bigger storms. Yeah, it's not like out here where you might have an early snowstorm, but you've got remnants of that till April. <laughs> yeah, or uh, I think in July they found a uh, mound of snow in some woods up in the UP somewhere um, in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. <laughs> oh, gee, so. yeah, no, well, that makes sense. I think they were finding mounds of snow in Colorado and Wyoming, just kind of all over the Rockies this year. They got so much snow in that area. But you don't really think of uh, the north central part when you think of how long the snow lasts and as the season goes on. But I imagine it was probably just as bad there as it was anyplace else. Yeah. Especially in the upper yeah. peninsula where, God, that's practically Canada, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, so down in the lower peninsula, even Canada is our southern neighbor. Fun fact. It is the only metropolitan city in America that lies directly north of Canada. And you drive south across the Ambassador Bridge in the Detroit-Windsor Tunnel to go to our northern neighbor. That's true. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, you literally go south. Then again, a vast majority of Canada's uh, population is in the border, correct? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's 80% of their population lives within 200 miles of the U.S. border. Wow. And about That's 60% lives within the Canadian Shield in Quebec and Ontario. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> little history le- or a little geography lesson for everybody today. So, but no, we, you know, Brad, we've, we've kind of been off and on the last couple of weeks, haven't really fully been running. Um, Nate McHugh, uh, the other leg of this tripod, took over last week as we cannot, we cannot all make it together for a podcast, and he did a great job. But, since then, Nebraska Nebraska basketball is not looking too great right now, depending on how you looked at them going into the season. Again, as we've said for what seems like a couple of years now, Nebraska's brought on an entirely new squad. They have an entirely new coaching staff. All but two players have come back. They are currently sitting at a not very pretty 0-2. They, they could very well be 2-0. Uh, they lost to UC Riverside, and then most recently to Southern Utah. It was 79-78 Thunderbirds in not one, not two, in, sorry, not regulation, not one, but second overtime. The Huskers started out well. First half, they were up 37-26, a good healthy lead, but just like the first game, they could not sustain that momentum. Southern Utah came back, scored 43 points in the second to push it into overtime. Nebraska, there's talent on that team. There's good coaching, you can tell from previous stops. But nothing's clicking right now. And we were all very skeptical going into the season what this team was going to be like. And I don't know if we could have predicted it like this because... UC Riverside and Southern Utah shouldn't be lighting the world on fire. And they shouldn't be leaving Lincoln with wins. But at this point, you're only getting so much out of all the starters and randomly guys from off the bench 
the names have changed, but the results are kind of similar to past Nebraska ball teams. You know, Kevin, you know, you've been watching Nebraska ball for a while. What are you seeing out there on the court? Um, I, I think the biggest thing that we're seeing is it's exactly what we were saying in the offseason of it's a completely new roster. Nobody's played with anybody. Nobody's played within the system. And you see moments of everybody kind of coming together. And then you see moments of they don't know each other and the other team's hitting shots and they're not and they don't know what to do. And that's going to be how it's going to be for a little while until they get more playing time under their belt, I think, is is the the quickest takeaway. There, there's more to it than that. But I think the the down and dirty uh, right off the bat analysis is is that for what what I see at this point. No, I, I would have to agree. They at times look very good, but when they're off, they're off and they don't have that team leadership or chemistry to pull them out of funks. Uh, both games, they got out, you know, I should say first game, they came out a little rough, but uh, took the lead for a while. This last game, they came out well, and, and honestly, early on, I really thought they were going to have Southern Utah, but they couldn't keep things going. The offense kind of sputtered after a while. When they went into shooting droughts, they really couldn't pull themselves out of it. And between you, me, and everybody, Doc Sadler's got his his job cut out for him when it comes to the defense. It is hit or miss at best. Very disjointed. You know, a lot of times you see guys playing and you're not quite sure if they know what they're supposed to be doing out there. Or more importantly, they're kind of looking around wondering, you know, okay, who's going to get the ball back so we can get back on, on offense and I can do what I, I came here to do. Cause we've got some scores. We got some pretty decent scores here. Gervais Green um, ended the last game against the Thunderbirds with 18 points. Uh, Deshaun Burke Jr. had 13. Uh, Cam Mack, uh, a, a guy we're probably gonna be talking about for quite some time, he had 13. Uh, um, trying to think of who else we had here. Kevin Cross, yeah, led the, the team bench, with 19. Uh, yeah. Ended up with 30, 19 points, 36 minutes. Um, Went 8 of 15 from the field. He had a heck of a night. Uh, yeah, outside he did. Of, outside of, you know, and he, he wasn't that huge in the first game, but he really kind of came out and I think made this game, if it wasn't for him, this game would have made it in overtime at all. Yeah. But and, we, um, we need, you know, anyway, it's nice to have that productivity off the bench. We need that from the starters, you know. And, you know, Cheatham, he only had four points. He had a better first game. Um it's just, you know, we're a small team, and it's. I think we're going to see some lineup changes over the next few weeks to really see how this team gels. What are your thoughts? I definitely think we do, and uh, I know he's not necessarily one of the most popular players out there, but uh, somebody I want to see get more minutes. And I mean, he did get 22 on, on Saturday against Southern Utah, but Thor Ear, Thor Yarnarbson, um Right. I'm pretty sure I got that close enough. Uh, he, yeah, he was out there for yeah. 22 minutes. You you did a better job with that pronunciation than I ever have. So. I, I've actually been practicing it a little bit, to be honest. But uh, yeah, he off the ball, uh, he has fantastic movement on offense. He had a couple slashes to the basket that were uh, very well-timed. Um, and on defense, he's getting a 
a body on somebody, which is something very few guys are doing. And he didn't lead the team in rebounds. He only had four, but he was actually making an effort to go after the ball, which was not particularly prevalent. Um, and I mean, when he's he's just as hot as anybody else at any given moment, for the most part, on the offensive end when he gets the ball. So he, he's somebody that hustles and does the things off the ball that this team needs. And I, I'd like to see him get some more minutes and see how that helps. He was one of the two carryovers from... Tim Miles Rain, and he, I think he averaged like four minutes a game last year, like 1.2 points per game. Not a whole lot was looked in terms of, uh, in terms of the future with him on the team, but, you know, Coach, Ho- Coach Hoiberg thought enough of him to keep him on board, and I, I think you can tell, like, he's, he's been on long enough. He knows the campus, he knows the area, he knows Nebraska and Nebraska basketball well enough to where he's, he's got the discipline. To really get out there, and he's no, he's not the biggest by any way, shape, or he's one of the taller guys we have, but he's not the biggest out there. He's not the most talented, and again, he's used to the international ball and has slowly developed for the American game, but he's still got a ways to go. But as yeah, a definitely. whole, he's one of those guys where I, you know, I agree with you. I think in the long run, he's going to be one of our core guys, and whether he starts or not, he's going to be reliable, and a lot of that's just because I think he's the most comfortable. Now, mm-hmm. one one thing I I read the other day was uh, from Doc Sadler, and it was from one of the press conferences this week after this game, and he stated basically that you know you really kind of want to look at this team as the as the season goes on, because he says a lot of these you know lower division transfers or lower conference transfers don't really get the hang of Division One ball until later on in the season. And, you know, so basically once conference hits and we're kind of at that halfway point is when you're going to see a lot of these guys probably gel a little bit more. He didn't go into detail too much, but you're probably going to see a lot of these guys probably gel a little bit more and get a better feel for how this team is going to play, um, which is kind of nice to hear because we're starting about as as, bot, as bad as you can get, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you see Riverside... They're not expected to do well at all in the Big West Conference. It's a Big West, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Big West, um, I think, on the lower end. Yep. I think they're eight at a ninth predicted. But they, they they definitely were bigger than us in a lot of ways. They had better size. They brought back the experience is what helped them. They were they were able to come back in that first game and bring what little talent they have and just made it work. Yeah, Nebraska is going to have to overcome that as the season goes on, and I think just it's it's you know it's going to be some rough going until that happens. Yeah, and I did double check that they are uh, Big West, and they're two and zero. Picked up a win over Idaho as well. So, um, but yeah, I mean they're one hundred sixty seventh in RPI right now, and Southern Utah is two hundred and first. So, not exactly world beaters. And I doubt they're going to get much better. No. Uh, if they stagnate at that and don't drop very much, I'll, I'll be impressed. So, Jeez. yeah, no, it's, you know, I, I, we, we pride ourselves not, not correlating back to Husker football, but for, but for men's sports this fall, it's just, it's kind of a tough go at the university of Nebraska right now. And it just comes down to a lot of growing pains. It doesn't mean that Nebraska basketball is in a bad place. It doesn't mean that Fred Hoiberg's a bad coach. It's not that at all. I mean, this guy started so, fresh right now and it's just 
I, you know, I, I just, if you're a Nebraska ball fan, I think I made a, a joke with you earlier um, online about this. You know, uh, you, you're used to the frustrations. <laughs> you know, you're used to being patient. You're used to basically just sitting back and going, okay, yeah. I've waited this long. I wait a little bit longer, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to get better. You know, we're not like, you know, you, your, your lineage is, uh, MSU, you know, uh, Spartan basketball, you know, there is a longevity of productivity and expectations that Nebraska ball never had that I think the fans are more than happy to wait for with Fred Hoiberg. So I think, you know, I'm not seeing anything, any major frustration online, in ter- or in the news about this team, I think there's a lot of head scratching, but I-, I think the expectations were high for a lot of the general public just based off of Fred Hoiberg's pedigree and his history and you know kind of the promise of what he could bring, without the realization that this is this is definitely a work in progress. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, his first year at Iowa State was too, and maybe not quite, you know, to to the degree of 0-2 to start, but he also didn't have the roster turnover that, uh, you know, he's had here at Nebraska with replacing all but two of the players, and only one of them was actually eligible to play last year. That's that's pretty much, as far as I know, unprecedented at this point in, in major uh, P6 ball, so... No, it'll be interesting. Nebraska is coming up this Friday... Again, South Dakota State Jackrabbits, they're 3-0. and I have yet to do my preview on these guys. Um, you know, they're doing pretty well overall. They, they, they're shooting almost 50% from the, um, from the court. Uh, rebounds, they're pulling down 48, you know, 40, 48 a game. That's better than Nebraska's 36. On paper, South Dakota State looks like they could probably easily hand Nebraska a loss. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, they, they are going to be a tough team to beat on this one, um, so we'll we'll have to see. But you never know. It, it could be the, the third win, but I think this is probably as good as time as any to reassure Nebraska fans that even if Hoiberg does move to 0-3, there is precedent for prior Big Ten basketball coaches starting off their careers with Oh, and two or worse records and still going on to be a championship level coach at their institution. And for example, I have Fred Taylor, who became a Hall of Famer, started at Ohio State in 1958 and lost to St. Louis. So a Fred started and lost his first game. However, his second game uh, was also against a team from Utah and uh, he did beat the Utes in his second game. But the other uh, good example is Judd Heathcote, none other than Judd. He lost to Central Michigan in his season opener, which was a road game. Then he lost to Western Michigan in a home game. He proceeded to lose to North Carolina at home, which also is North Carolina. And then finally, he lost to Detroit. So he started off with four losses, three of which were to all lesser schools in the state of Michigan and still proceeded to go on to win the national title two years later. Granted, that was with a guy named Magic Johnson. I'm not sitting here <laughs> predicting that Magic Johnson, you know, the second is coming to Nebraska in two years. I'm just saying, have a little bit of patience. This isn't, you know, he has a track record of success and there is a track record of former coaches struggling at their debut in a Big Ten school. So be patient, guys. This will get sorted out. 
No, it, it 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 will. It should get better. And the the Big Ten as a whole isn't exactly starting the basketball season out terribly well. Um, I mean, there's some decent wins, but I think I think the leaders of this conference are going to kind of come out early, don't you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've got some tough games coming up. Uh, Maryland's um, got a fairly weak non-conference schedule, but the Orlando tournament offers some decent opponents. I can't remember off the top of my head who they have. Iowa's got some really good opponents coming up. Granted, they just lost to DePaul last night, but the Las Vegas tournament has some great competition. And, um, and, you know, and we'll I think see what... DePaul, DePaul is predicted to be kind of the bottom end of the Big East, right? Yeah, they're not very good. They're bottom, upper tier of the bottom half at best this season based on projections. Yeah, and that makes sense considering the talent they have and the talent the rest of the Big East has. Yeah, so. and uh, for all those Jaskers out there, uh, this is Tuesday night. I am sorry that you guys lost to Michigan. I was pulling for you. Oh, um, what was the final score of that? Uh, it was it was close, I think. Uh, 10 points, 79-69. My, uh, my father-in-law is there. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, oh, that does um, bring me to one other thing I wanted to bring up with you. Have you? Do you feel like the three-point line is coming into play a little bit this season? It seems like some of the games are maybe a little bit lower scoring to start. Um, and I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't necessarily seen any stats wizard take the first week and break it down yet. But I, I don't know. It feels like maybe people are a little bit colder most games more often than not this season to start no i would agree with you on that especially considering we know that fred's game plan is to live and die by the three you know get up and down the court as fast as possible and if you have an open beyond the arch you take it you know i think a lot of that has probably to do with the fact that these guys are getting used to playing together and getting used to the court i mean in a lot of ways these home games for this team might as well either be neutral or away you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, you know, I mean, outside of the crowd, which, you know, plays into fact in Nebraska, you know, I, I didn't see the attendance for the Southern Utah game, but, you know, even in the lowest lows of the Tim Miles era, Nebraska fans filled up Pinnacle Bank Arena fairly well, you know, maybe not sold out per se, but over half for sure, which, you know, you're looking at a lot of these early season games across the nation, nobody shows up. Nobody goes to these games. For some reason, Nebraska fans, we do. I mean, I was... Yeah, actually, I think... Go. Um, I'd, I'd go, <laughs> but... Yeah, it, I, I think you guys actually beat out Michigan State for their season opener against Binghamton. Um, I haven't looked at their attendance, but I am looking right now at Southern Utah. The attendance was 15,828, and capacity is 15,500. So it was, yeah. it was sold out. Yeah, it, it's nuts. It's nuts. Or, I'm sorry, so, not, not, not sold out. It was over capacity. I'll... I'll yeah, make that distinction because Memorial <laughs> Stadium, I'm sure, will continue the sellout streak, but I doubt it will be at capacity on Saturday. Yeah, no, no kidding. It's uh, well, well, you never know. You never know. Wisconsin, yeah, true, true. No, 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 Wisconsin fans may bite some of those tickets. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you don't have to listen to first down, first and ten, Wisconsin on repeat, then uh, it's it's worth going to that game just based on that alone. So, no kidding. No kidding, yeah. but no. I mean, it's. I. I think. I. I think you've got something there when it can, when it comes to the three points and scoring droughts. It's. Uh. You know, the crowd's behind them, but what does that mean when you don't? When you're not? When the chemistry isn't quite there on the court? If anything, that. 
if anything, the crowd kept the UC Riverside game in longer, and it pushed that game against the Thunderbirds into overtime this past weekend. Um, exactly. At least, you, you it, know, it helps, I mean, yeah. that, that, yeah, that'd be my yeah. guess. You know, that, yeah, that it, would, it helps overcome the, the lack of familiarity with the rings or, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the rims, not the rings, the rims. No, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. Um, God, you know what? You mentioned the Michigan beating Creighton. I didn't see it. I saw it briefly go through my phone. The NCAA has another number one team who got lost this week, this yep. last week. First Kentucky time went down. in AP history. First time in AP history that back-to-back number one teams lost. My sister-in-law isn't going to listen to this podcast, so. <laughs> is she a big Wildcats fan? <laughs> ha ha. Uh, yeah, she is. She's from Kentucky, so. Um, oh, nice. But fun fact, though, Evansville, um, I, I found this out earlier tonight when I was looking at the, the coaching stats. Evansville is Tom Izzo's first career win as a head coach at Michigan State. Are they still in the Missouri Valley? Um, I think so. Um, I'm not sure on that one. All those mid-majors have changed around enough. I'm not quite sure. Heck, this past year I just found out Wichita State is in the... Uh, is it 2-0 Missouri Valley Conference. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, Wichita State's no longer in there. Where's Wichita State now? Uh, let's see. I can't remember. It was one of those ones where I'm like, when did they leave? And I think it's been like three years since they've been there. Uh, American Athletic Conference. Yeah, AAC. AAC. Yeah. yeah, I guess that was a good move for their part. I didn't know the, the Missouri Valley was hurting that much. But, uh, no, Ev- you know, Ev- I wouldn't have picked Evansville to beat anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I definitely wouldn't pick them to beat Kentucky at home. I mean, that's just but... absurd. That yeah. is, it's, yeah, no, that's nuts. It's, it, this might be a more interesting of a basketball season than we came to realize. Not that yeah, I had any predictions silly. going in, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, Michigan State better watch out, man. They're picked to win, win the conference. Something bad might happen early on. Hopefully not. Yeah, well, it's, it's hopefully nothing worse than what already has, but let's not make <laughs> a depressing turn on that. So, um, but yeah, singing the basketball court. Hopefully, uh, hopefully nothing too bad. No, no. As long as we beat Michigan, that's it's you know, well, who cares? It's basketball. We that that's a given that we're supposed to beat them. So especially when they have Jawan Howard. Yeah, you know what? Have we talked about Jawan Howard's pickup there? I mean, what are your thoughts on Jawan Howard at Michigan? Considering you're an MSU fan. Well, first off, I I've legitimate not 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 rivalry like you know, screw Michigan, but legitimately, like, what are your thoughts of him in Michigan? Um, he's an interesting hire. So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be fair and try to take my passionate hatred this week of all weeks out of it. Um, so he is an interesting hire. Um, I mean, Hoiberg doesn't actually have that different of a resume, actually. He was an assistant at Minneapolis, um, after he finished his playing career for quite a few years, actually, I, I can't remember if he was an assistant or a front office person and he ended up getting the head coaching job at Iowa state. Uh, and then eventually went on to the Chicago bulls and now is with Nebraska. Juwan Howard had six years as an assistant coach with Miami. 
Um, so, I mean, I consider Hoiberg a good hire, um, although based on proven track record with Iowa State. Uh, I don't know who they could have gotten when Beeline bolted. It was sort of a an unintentional middle finger in a way by Beeline in a way with that. But It was highly questionable to see him leave. It makes you kind of wonder. I mean, I, I'd... Especially I think the he timing of the year. I, I think he legitimately wanted to try being an NBA coach. I, I don't think that there's anything there whatsoever. He was a clean coach. As much as I hate Michigan, I have nothing but respect for John Beeline. He had a stellar. I mean, to be anywhere that long without any real problems is impressive for anybody. Yeah, he was consistently ranked ahead of Izzo, even in clean programs, which I know some people will go out there and, you know, make a snide comment or two about cleanliness of Izzo over some of the it, things that have been claimed in recent years. It's but, subjective. Yeah. He's all of his peers held him as the cleanest coach in the industry. So um, you know, that's, and, that's saying something. And he's also, um, in, I, I mean, I, I mean, no disrespect to him, but he's kind of reaching the twilight of his career. Exactly. And you I know, he's only got so many chance. years to go. Yeah. Why not go to the NBA? Yeah, he's had success at literally every level. Junior college, I think it was, uh, Leicester programs in D1. He had success at Michigan. Give it a shot. Why not? You know, I mean, I wish him the best, even though he's with the Cavaliers. Uh, and it's fun because he got hired by the Cavaliers that are owned by a Michigan State uh, alum. <laughs> and so there's fun tinfoil hats from the Michigan crowd over it. I was going to say... <laughs> It's like, well, Michigan's getting really good. They made, you know, the championship game. Let's hire him away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he, he was a good hire. And Juwan was probably a good bet by Michigan for um, for what they had options-wise. Do you think he would be have fair. been the guy at all if this was done in April? Uh, no. I think that they would have had other guys that they could have looked at um, yeah, if, if it was in March, even that there was a kind of ability to look at it and, and find somebody, they, they would have had more of a coaching search. I think this one was a little bit handicapped from the get go and options. And given that, I think Howard was a good gamble, but do I think, do I feel confident that anybody out there is going to remember somebody from the fab five, how many years ago and, <laughs> from you know his playing days how many years ago not really i mean i don't think that's going to sell any recruit right now he's only been out of the better. nba for a few years he was quite the journeyman wasn't he yeah i mean he was there for a good period and he was a skilled nba player by all means i just yeah man he he has been out for long enough he's not really a he, household name he, he was right he, he was right in the pine He's been he was riding the pine for long enough to where his name was no longer a major player. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, because he he was there when the Heat, I think, was going through their championship runs or right after. Um, he hasn't been out of the game for too long, especially considering the era he came from. A lot of his peers are, were long since retired. Oh yeah, he he had a long career by all means, but he wasn't. He's not Steph Curry right now. No kind of name. He, he's not even Dwayne Wade kind of name at at this point and so you know uh michigan fans like to talk up how you know he's a household name with recruiting and i i just don't see that he's by all means a good name but not a household name um he's a household and, name within the michigan fan base 
Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't imagine any other fan that didn't get any money. Well, (laughs) that, you know what, that is one thing that Michigan does have, you know, in its favor on that is that, yeah, he is, he is kind of the one, but we're not a Michigan podcast. So, (laughs) but I was, no, I was just curious because that was kind of one of the major, uh, recruiting or, uh, coaching moves that happened this off season. And you kind of have a first hand knowledge, at least compared to most of us in that. So, yeah, I will be curious to see what they, what they look like longer into the season because scheduling app state was a idiotic idea. That five point win is not looking all that great. No, yeah. If if you're if you're Wolverines, don't 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 pick App State. Those those boys don't mess around with you. Yeah, take <laughs> no Bill moves. Don't don't schedule them in football or basketball. Exactly, exactly. So, but that's that's kind of all I have right now. Nebraska, as we mentioned earlier, is coming up against the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, who are three and zero this Friday in Lincoln at eight p.m. Central. The game will be on BT. And Nebraska and more importantly, Fred Hoiberg are looking for their first win of the season. I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm sure a lot of you are can't believe how you're there. You guys are hearing that, but unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, South Dakota State's not the team that it was, you know, the past couple years, but they're still a formidable team. I think Nebraska's still favored right now to win this game. So there's a little something you know to look forward to. But as a whole, this should be a good game. We should have a good podcast after it. Kevin, do you have anything else? No, I just say that I think it'll be a great game on Friday and get the W or not. I think you're going to see a lot of progress by game three. So be sure to tune in. Cool. Thank you. And thanks for tuning in, folks. Bye.